as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Schmidt heads unite, right? Good morning. Good afternoon. Time appropriate greetings, depending on where you are in the world, in the country. Welcome to the Schmidt Show. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this morning. Um, we are all over the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can watch us that way. You can find me on Twitter. I don't do a lot on Twitter. I probably should do more, to be honest, As I, um, if I'm trying to, what do they call it, building your brand, right? I mean, I need to do more with Twitter. We're on Telegram. Um, I absolutely love Telegram. My, uh, my good friend, The Hig, over there on the right, well, my right. I guess it'd be your left on the screen if you're watching us on Facebook Live. But my good friend, The Hig, has uh, introduced me to this wonderful Telegram thing, this app that has all kinds of cool, fun stuff. Um, just download it. You go to uh, the Schmidt Heads Telegram group, and you can uh, interact with us that way. I think it's actually under the Schmidt Show. Um, just search for the Schmidt Show. You'll find it. You'll find the group and add you to add yourself to the group. Uh, you can find us on all other kinds of social media as well. Where we've got what do we got? That not, not, not mumble. What's the other Castle? What's the what is that? IRC. 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 Dot net. Join us in Pound the Schmidt Show. There or you no, go. It's, uh, Pound Schmidt heads actually. Yeah, Pound Schmidt heads. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds a little weird to be honest, but <laughs> but hey, we're there. Right? It's part of the Green New Deal. <laughs> Um, if you like what we do, we would appreciate your support over on Patreon. I'm not going to beg for money, but uh, if you're uh, if you're so technically savvy, um, you know how to find it. So we'll uh, we'll just go with that. Uh, as we kick off the Schmidt Show this morning, the uh, the Schmidt Show podcast, I should say, because there is also the Schmidt Show radio show, my terrestrial radio show. I do every day, Monday through Friday, three to six Central Time here in the United States. Um, you can find that on KanoXRadio.com. I work for Leighton Broadcasting, is my kind of my main gig. So if you want to join the uh, if you want to join me there, you can do that every single day. Um, but we also, like I said, do uh, the podcast here. So this is the Schmidt Show podcast. Team Electric Slide. Somebody's already commented on our Facebook uh, thread, Team Electric Slide. So the Hig. That, that, that be, I feel like that should be a story for later in the it episode. It should. The Hig and I and another good friend of mine, Mr. Dean Merkel, and my uh, program director at my radio station, uh, Ryan Cunningham, and then also the you know, University of North Dakota uh, volleyball coach, um, went to a very small town in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota, and we did outside curling for the first time ever, and we are undefeated. So that was uh, that will be a story for another time, and we'll get to we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to doing that uh, on on a on a future episode for sure because that's um, that's probably going to have to be one of those special episodes. I don't know special, but we can even get it later in the episode. But I want to hear about this Green New Deal that uh, that has been coming up. Yeah, because that's that's really what we're uh, what we're here to talk about this morning is the Green New Deal, and the Green New Deal. For those of you who don't know, I'm guessing most of you that listen to a a political podcast like this, you probably know what the Green New Deal is. But for those that don't, or if you're maybe just um, not been paying attention recently, the Green New Deal is a supposedly, allegedly, an environmental 
deal that helps us as a nation transition away from fossil fuels into more renewable resources and, and renewable um, energy sources as a way to power our country and other things along the way as well. But in reality, if you really dig into it, what you'll find out is that it really has nothing to do with the environment. That's the that's the the guys under which Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and her uh, one of her colleagues was Marky or Markley I don't even know the guy's name but nobody cares right I mean nobody cares who he is because Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is the is the rising star of the Democrat Party does it, she's does the, it bother you that they abbreviate like they, AOC yeah because so I get it Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is a lot is a mouthful to say <laughs> right but the, here's the issue. That we have to, the left seems to really embrace this idea of branding, right? Right. Like you've got RBG, and now you've got, yeah, you know, AOC, and it's this idea that they're going to, it's essentially a branding, right? Is what they're trying it, to yeah, do. Yeah, it's intentional, and I refuse to do the whole AOC thing because it is absolutely intentional. It's a way to make her look more cool mm-hmm. and more, more, um, like you know, a standard, right? She's a J Lo, she's a whatever, she's a Kardashian. She's it's it's a way to it, it's to, a household. It becomes a household abbreviation, a household name, almost. right? It's it's a way for them to make her more palatable to the millennial generation. To even so, even even because. Because you're technically a millennial, right? And and so even beyond the millennial generation, it's the it's the way to make her attractive to the younger college age kids, the high school kids, the up and comers that will one day, if she ever does run for president, mm-hmm. will be able to vote for her. Mm-hmm. It's it's that group that they're trying to to make her cool. So I just I refuse to do the AOC thing because I just think it's stupid. But um, but yeah, it's it is it is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. And it is her way, this Green New Deal, is it really has nothing to do with the environment. It has everything to do with the fact that this is the un, this is the guys under which they are trying to um push the the idea and the concept concept easy for me to say, concept of economic redistribution, of, of wealth redistribution, socialism, and so on and so forth. So, and I've got the overview both. So I've got all this stuff linked in the show notes. So if you are watching on Facebook, you'll have to actually download the episode or at least go to the Schmidtshow.com where we, where we post all of our, our, um, uh, podcast episodes or podcast.theschmidtshow.com and all that, you'll have to go there and and see the show notes. So if you're watching on the Facebook live stream, that's where you're going to find all this information. Because I've got links to all of this stuff in the show notes once the uh, once the show goes live and is published on on the uh, through the podcast software that we use. So um, the 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 actual text of the of the resolution that was submitted to Congress by Miss Ocasio Cortez is it Mrs. Is she married? Is that why it's? I don't know. But it, I, I think it's Mrs. Ocasio Cortez. I think that's why it's an abbreviated. She's mm. her. You know, I think it's that or not abbreviated, hyphenated. Hyphenated. Yeah. Um, so I've got the 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 actual text that was submitted to Congress, um, and then I've also got the original document that she posted on her website. Which was taken because it was so widely ridiculed and so just generally panned as absurd that she took it down. 
within a few hours, she actually took it she, off of well, her website. She got just just reamed by, by the internet. everybody, yeah. not just not just the people on the right, but by even the. I love Nancy Pelosi. Her this is Nancy Pelosi's description of it. She says, "Well, I haven't seen it, but it, it's very enthusiastic." Essentially, <laughs> essentially, what she did is she patted patted Miss Ocasio Cortez on the head and yeah. said. Oh, that's very good. Yep. Such a good try. Yes. You know, that's right. essentially, right. it was enthusiastic. You did, you, you know, you tried. You tried. Yeah, that was, it was a participation trophy from, mm-hmm. from Pelosi is what it was. Um, so anyway, so even Nancy Pelosi isn't taking it seriously. And if Nancy Pelosi's not taking it seriously, it's got to be a mess, right? So here's some of the, this is the overview. Let me just read the, the kind of the first, um, the first few lines in it in the overview from the original document she posted on her Facebook page or on her Facebook page on her website. The this is not from the what was submitted to Congress. We'll get to that as well. But she said this, we will begin work immediately on Green New Deal bills to put nuts and bolts on the plan described in this resolution. Important to say so someone else can't claim this mantle. This massive transformation of our society with clear goals and a timeline. Now, that right there should be a huge, huge warning. That, that, that sentence, this is a massive transformation of our society. She doesn't say this is a huge step to save the environment. This isn't a huge step to provide clean water, clean air, anything like that. It has nothing to do with the environment. It has everything to do with social engineering. Like, it says it right in their, in the text. their, in their basic... Like it's bolded. It's the first couple of sentences in the in the document, and it's in mm-hmm. bold. It says, "This is a massive transformation of our society with clear goals and a timeline." This is this has nothing whatsoever to do with the environment. Because if it was about the environment, if it was about stopping global warming or global climate change or the next ice age or whatever other hoax of of science that they're trying to to mm-hmm. perpetrate upon us, they would have said. This is a way to save the environment, to save the world from the polar ice caps melting, to, to rescue the polar bears or whatever other stupid thing they want to come up with. But they, she doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. She says this is a – and I'm going to keep reading this because I, I, I'm, it can't be said enough. People need to understand what this is about. This is a massive transformation of our society. That that phrase right there should absolutely scare the ever living daylights well, out of you. I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Okay. Transformation isn't always bad. There's a massive transformation of our society back in the 1800s when right. we abolished slavery. Right. right? Tra- massive transformation is not always a bad thing, but I think you have to start looking at the merits of what she's proposing, right? And then you start to look at the practical implementation of it, right? So right. she wants to get rid of, she doesn't want to get rid of nuclear power plants, but she wants to make it so that we can no longer build any new ones. Right. So as they go offline, they must be taken offline and kept offline. Right. What's interesting about that is that flies in the very face of what the left has been telling us for years. Because for years they've been saying, uh, with scientific background, I might add, nuclear power is very clean. Right. Nuclear power actually, in fact, has no uh, has has no carbon emissions. Right, and so essentially, you other than the building materials and and the process to actually build the plants and whatnot. Right, right. But like you, you got to buy, you got to move trucks to to haul the materials in. So, but the actual right, plant but, itself. So, right. so if you want to dig into that, though, what you, you could t- I mean, it's it's circular logic, though, in that in that point, right? Because if we can get, let's say we let's say we follow their 
their um, ideology to its logical conclusion. So nuclear power is clean, and we can start to generate electricity, and we then we can start building electric cars and running cars. Eventually, right. we get to a point where we absolutely could run right. society on uh, on no carbon emissions. Right. The, the, the problem is that in her own deal, she doesn't want to do nuclear power. So she's got a bunch of things that she wants to get right. rid of, like coal plants and nuclear power. And nothing to replace them with because right. I got news for you. We don't have enough solar infrastructure and wind infrastructure right now right. to power our society. And Elon Musk did a fantastic presentation talking about the amount of solar panels that would actually be required to run the United States. And it's actually not as many as you might think. We right. could actually put that in the Sahara Desert and we'd be set. Here's the problem. How do you transfer that power? Right. Because DC power doesn't transfer, so you either have to convert it to AC, which is a 50% loss, you store it in batteries, which the batteries themselves harm the environment, right. or you go back to coal. Well, see, and that was that was the, th- that was the next thing I was going to kind of point out. You talk about the, the batteries alone, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you can't just, you can't store solar no. power. There's well, without no, batteries. Yeah. Right, without batteries. Mm-hmm. You can't, I mean, maybe with capacitors, but the problem with capacitors is it's... It's instant discharge, and and I know there's going to be some electrical engineers going to tell me. I'm well, I'll just tell you that I mean right. you can't store energy for any prolonged period of time at a capacitor. Right, right. So there, there's there's just no way to effectively store solar energy that mm-hmm. we know of now. Mm-hmm. And but of course, Ocasio Cortez will just tell you, well, we need to invent things that haven't been invented yet. Okay, and that's fine. Right. When those, that's fine. That, here's the thing, I am not. As weird as this is going to sound, I don't completely disagree with everything she stands for. Right. right? So because here's the reality. The reality is that you you better believe if talk radio had been a thing back in the early 1900s, there would have been two talk show guys talking about how crazy this Henry Ford guy was for wanting to invent this. They're going to run this thing on some magical potion. Right. And it's going to and he's going to have some series of levers and switches and stuff. And it's going to run this thing rather than a good old fashioned horse. And but listen, we've been using that for hundreds and hundreds of years. All you got to do is just hook it up to the buggy and away you go. Guess what? The horse, I know how the horse is going to behave. And if I treat the horse well and I feed the horse, it's going to last a long time. We can don't have to refuel it or nothing. It can eat the grass alongside the road exactly. and all that, There's, right. So there was two talk show guys having doing the first version of the Schmidt show <laughs> that were talking about how crazy this Henry Ford guy was for trying right. to invent the automobile, right? And now look at where we are, right? right? So innovation, to a certain degree, requires you to buck the norm. Here's the difference between what Henry Ford did and what Ocasio-Cortez is trying to do. He didn't just say... Some, we need to invent things that haven't been invented yet. He just got to work inventing things right. that haven't invented been invented it yet. He invented it and said, hey, look what I invented. Do you know what, yeah. the, you, you know what, you know what the most profitable, most innovative industry in the entire country is? Ah, that's a good question. Hollywood. Oh, yeah, Hollywood okay. makes more money right. and has more innovations in cinematic theater that effects and all that stuff. Yep. Coincidentally, do you know what the most unregulated industry in the entire country is? The Hollywood. The movie the, industry. Yeah, the movie industry. There's, uh, there's, I can't think of a single regulation that applies to movies. And yep. when there are regulations that applies, they get exemptions for all of them. Right. Well, you can't discharge a firearm in city limits, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. Hollywood essentially gets a blank check to say, well, we're making a movie, so we can do whatever we want. Right. And then that pretty much is a, is a, is a free pass. Yeah. Gee, I wonder if there's a correlation there of why there's so much innovation that happens there. Imagine, just for a moment, if we just deregulated all of these energy places and said, listen, yeah, we will put no regulations on you whatsoever if you did solar power. None whatsoever. You just do whatever you want to yeah. do for solar. You figure or, out how to make it work and make it efficient and all right? of that. Yep. And you go for it. Yeah. Automotive manufacturers would be on it like I oh, can't yeah. say it on the air, but right. th- th- but that's that's how fast automotive I- engineers would get to work on electric cars and storing energy if 
we if they knew that it became more cost effective to do it there. But look at what's happening in our own state of North Dakota. This and this is where our local politics start to tie into a national right. stage, right? North Dakota looked up and went, "Huh, my gosh, there! All these electric cars are showing up, and it is becoming. Uh, it's getting to the point where." A lot of people are driving them, and now we're losing all of the gas revenue and all of the tax revenue from the gas. Oh, you know what we should do there? We should add a tax to the electric cars. So that's what they did. They put through the legislature. They right. want to add a tax yeah. to electric cars. So if you drive an electric car, you have to pay an additional tax so that you can offset the tax that you were. Yeah, so How and stupid the, is that? And at the same time, you're getting a federal tax break for owning an electric car. Right. Well, the, but here, here's the thing. The tax breaks, I... I am more okay with a tax break than I am an added tax, right? Because at the right. end of the day, I'm I'm all for anything we can do to get rid of uh, of the less money that we have to give to the government, the better. And I'm right. not really going to fault anybody for that. The problem, of course, is you're picking winners and losers. Right. Because when you say the Chevy Volt is a $30,000 car, no, it's a $60,000 car with a $30,000 tax break. And right. so the person can That's get the same it for $30,000. Same with the Teslas and stuff like that. They're, sure. they're, the only reason they're not $200,000 cars is right. because of the, government the, the subsidies that, that Elon Musk and, and Tesla Corporation get. Right. So, yeah. So, anyway, so back to the, the kind of the, the idea of this, this Green New Deal. The 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 goal they say is you know we got to save the environment and all this kind of stuff right they so here's another one we'll get into and I'll, I'll kind of lay out some groundwork for this um, in the in the first kind of opening page of it she says the IPCC report said global emissions must be cut by forty to sixty percent by twenty thirty and the U S is twenty percent of total emissions we must get to zero by twenty thirty and lead the world in a global green new deal. Here's the problem with the IPCC. So the IPCC is the International or um, yeah, International Panel on Climate Change, UN's IPCC. And they have been run over the years by some fairly shady characters. One of them goes by the name of Rahendra Pachauri, I think is how you pronounce his name. You're the you're the uh, you're the Hig. You yeah, could maybe right. <laughs> you. I bet your dad could probably tell us. Probably, yeah. So anyway, his name is his last name is P A C H U, or P A C H A U R I. So however you pronounce that, right? He is the former head of the UN IPCC, and he was asked one time how him and other UN officials were able to in the year two thousand nine know what was going to be in a report, a quote unquote science report in 2014. Like he, cause mm-hmm. he was, he, he predicted like, Hey, this is what this report's going to say in 2014. And somebody, you know, a wise reporter or journalist went, wait a second. How do you know what that report's going to say in 2014? If we don't know what is going on in the right. climate. And this was his answer. This is an exact quote from what he said. He says, quote, the UNIPCC is a political body masquerading as a science body. The UN's, quote, science conclusions are agreed to line by line for its summary for policymakers with politicians, UN officials, and delegates. He admitted in a live interview that, look, we don't do science. Mm-hmm. We're a political body that makes policy doesn't matter what the science says. So it doesn't matter what's coming up in this report five years from now. Right. We're going to make it say whatever we want it to but that's, say. That's, that's, what we, that's where we went with global warming. Right. 
and this was part of the this was of course part of the the um the whole climate gate thing and this yeah. guy ended up this guy so he was considered for the longest time which is laughable he was considered for the longest time the world's leading climate scientist he's got a phd in railroad economics mm-hmm. that's that's his from some obscure university here in the us so the guy had no education at all in actual climate science so he that was that was his but here's another this is a quote from a guy named um Otmar Eidenhofer or Edenhofer he was a german economist i think um he says again climate policy has almost nothing to do anymore with environmental protection the next world climate summit in cancun is actually an economic summit during which the distribution of the world's resources will be negotiated that's what this is all about that's what this green new deal is is these are the things that they're talking about they they don't care about the environment they mm-hmm. don't care about co2 emissions they don't care about any of this because they know that the science on it is is sketchy at best right and whether or not we as human beings actually have an effect on the climate or not is actually not even remotely close to scientifically clear. Mm-hmm. And I've also got a link to actually, and these guys are not climate deniers or climate whatever, sure. but I've got a link in the show notes to a, a website called, um, um, it's called longrangeweather.com, And it's two guys, um, Harris and man are their names, Cliff Harris and Randy Mann, they're both clim- one's a climatologist and one's a meteorologist, and they've got a they've got a uh, a chart that shows global temperatures from around 2500 BC to around 2040 AD, so just around 4500 years. And so, way back in 2500 BC, the global temperatures were much much warmer than they are right now, and then around. Um, it looks like around 1900 AD, there was 10 eruptions in Italy, in the Pacific, and around Alaska, which caused us or drove us into the nomadic time, um, which is the era of the what they call the Great Migration, What they when they believe that some of the folks made their way across some of these ice bridges to various places and things like that around the world, where the temperatures dropped dramatically. So then um, we started to warm up quite a bit, and up until about 1100 B.C., right around the time, actually, believe it or not, around the Hebrew Exodus, which even if you don't believe in the Bible, this is, I mean, this is real stuff that actually happened in history. So around 1100 B.C., it was probably the warmest that we've seen, and I think the article actually references, you'd have to read through the article to be, so don't quote me on this. I'm I'm trying to recite from memory, and there's a lot of text here, and I don't want to scroll through it and waste my time on it. But that was the warmest. I thought it said that the Earth has been in like 500 million years or something like that. Um, or, yeah. So anyway, read through the article. It's really interesting. You'll find it. And they actually say in this article, look, we're not, you know, we actually believe that climate science and we believe that man and, and our, you know, emissions and things like that are playing a part in this. So these are not climate change deniers or some radical crazies that are putting this information out. They're just simply, here's the facts. Here's what we know about science. So that was then in, um, in, what was it? 
looks like about 700 AD, there was a very, very sudden cool down, which drove us into what they're calling the Grecian Empire cold. Um, Vesuvius and Etna in Italy um, erupted in 250 BC. Then um, it starts to warm back up again to around 4 BC, which was, believe it or not, the birth of Christ is what they use as a, as a reference point. Um, and we started to see a warm period during the Roman Empire. Um, there was also a sudden cool down around 300-ish A.D., which drove us into what they call the Dark Ages cold, um, which then began the down to around 700 A.D., um, where it started to warm back up until around, looks like about 1200 A.D., when the Vikings began exploring and, and it's believed they found, you know, Canada and some of those places. Um, so here's a question for you. Yeah. We've been, what's the most amount of time that we've been studying temperature? Um, actually, like actually keeping records, mm-hmm. I think like 1840s, I think. Okay. So a couple hundred years. Right. Okay. If we take the non-Christian, just uh, run-of-the-mill progressive leftist idea of how old the earth is, right. a couple million years? Right. Yeah. Well, four, yeah, 14 whatever. billion years, whatever. Point right. is- we have a tiny, tiny, microscopic, little tiny fraction of the Earth's total year, right. and 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 we have decided, just decided, as human beings, that we are now understand what a cycle of the Earth looks like, and so we can predict that the Earth is in in fact increasing. Like, how do we know it's not just a, a just right. one of the many cycles well, that is going through? And that's which actually is kind of what, what you're getting to, and right? That's, right? And that's actually what they reference in this article, and 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 so then we have what was called the Little Ice Age from around 1350 AD until uh, about the 1850s. Now, 1850s, early 1900s. Now, this this. I say all of this, and there's a lot of information and details that nobody really cares about. But seriously, go check out this this article because it's it's got a very interesting graph, and there's a lot of information in it. But they actually say one of the one of the, like the notes to the to the chart says that there was at least 78 major temperature swings in the last 4,500 years, including two just since the 1970s. So in 1607. When Jamestown was founded, or just shortly thereafter, the average temper was, temperature was around 54.3 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, the average global temperature. And then in 19, looks like 1991, Mount Pinatubo erupted in the Philippines and drove the global temperature down from an average of 58.69% or 58.69 degrees Fahrenheit to less than 57 degrees Fahrenheit. So we saw just from one volcanic er- eruption in the Philippines in 1991, we saw, and and they actually, I think if, if you look through the article, you'll see it too. Um, they reference Mount St. Helens, or maybe I saw it somewhere else, but Mount St. Helens erupted in the early 80s, 80, was it 83, something like that when, when Mount St. Helens erupted? I can't remember exactly. But that there's these any time they saw a massive cool down in the in the temperature of the earth it was it was correlated to some very famous um uh volcanic eruptions so we saw from 1991 to you know 1992 essentially 
we saw a drop in the average, average global temperature of nearly two degrees. Like, I mean, this is, that's a huge, you know, we're talking, because we've heard this before, right? A, a, a rise in global temperature of, of one degree is going to melt the global ice caps and everywhere except Colorado, Kansas, right, right, and everywhere except Colorado and Kansas and, and, and Oklahoma are going to be underwater, right? The Rocky Mountains will be islands and all of these crazy predictions that they make. So all of that to say, this, this, this Green New Deal that they use the UN's IPCC's report as a basis for why we need to do all of this stuff. The UN's IPCC's reports have been proven wrong so many times. They're more laughable than Mad Magazine or or The Onion dot com. Like I mean it it's it's they have become a satire of themselves. Right. So they yeah, go sorry on, I didn't have my microphone. No, that's right. No, oh, it yeah, it is a guess. So the so all of this stuff, they they talk about the the carbon tax, right? This is one of the things that they talk about. The Green New Deal is a massive. This is from from Ocasio Cortez's overview. The Green New Deal is a massive investment in the production of renewable energy industries and infrastructure, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with investing in new infrastructure and I'm investing not, in that, that's well, not, that's, that's the, the government, but government, I mean, just right. in general, like I'm yeah. okay with investing in new technologies and doing cool new things. Like I'm not. I, I'm an old car guy. Mm-hmm. Like I love good old fashioned hot rods and and I'm a Formula One racing fan, so I love like high horsepower engines that make lots of noise and like all of that, right? Like I'm an old hot rod guy. So I'm not a big fan of these electric cars. But to suggest that like the Tesla or some of the other exciting new technologies, like there's a semi company now that's I can't remember the name of it, but I mentioned it on my radio show the other day. Um it's amazing. Like I've been able to, I've been able to ride in two different Teslas now. I, a, a friend of yours and another guy gave me a ride in their their Teslas. These cars are incredible. They're super super cool. They're actually fairly simple. The 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 way they're built. I mean, it's you know, a, a, an internal combustion engine is actually fairly complicated with all of the 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 emissions and things like that that they have to deal with and the computers and whatnot that run them. The electric cars are actually fairly simple. The most complicated part about the electric car is the is the software that right, that yeah. makes it all work, right? right? You know, that's that's the most complicated. So I, I'm not opposed to any of this. Like, and I'm all for as a guy who I used to live in Colorado Springs in the mountains. I lived in in uh in just literally right at the base of Pikes Peak where the lady wrote from the top of the mountain where she wrote America the Beautiful, right? Like I used to, so mm-hmm. I, and I loved going out rock crawling and, and doing all the fun things out in the mountains and experiencing nature and, and all that. So I, I'm, I'm all for keeping the, the, the environment clean and clean water. I mean, I want to drink clean water and breathe clean air as much as the next guy. So I don't have a problem with any of this, but the idea that, that she says we can't simply tax gas and then expect workers to figure out another way to get to work unless we first created a better, more affordable option. Now, that sounds like a good idea mm-hmm. until she says, so we're not ruling out a carbon tax. The problem is, do you know how much carbon you use no, or how much well, carbon actually, you emit? Interestingly enough, I know the answer that you're probably looking for is no, but interestingly enough, I worked with the, one of my clients does... Um, uh, TV commercials. Okay. And so one of the projects that he was just working on was a project for a uh, for a uh, uh, 
a, a pellet burning stove company. Right, so they man- burning, yeah, yep. so they manufacture these things. So if you're not familiar with it, they're pretty big up here yep. in the in the in the Midwest. But essentially, what Have you a, do is actually our dean, uh, the guy yes. we own crew, he has yep. one. Yep. And so, so instead of running natural gas into your house, uh, what you do is it's essentially a, a purpose-built fireplace, but instead of burning like regular logs, it burns these almost looks like pellets. cat food. Yeah. yeah. And so you put these pellets in there, and you, you load the hopper up, and then it just, they slowly, you know, drain into the machine and, right. and then burn, and then that provides heat to your house. And it's a very efficient way to heat your house. Well, this company that manufactured these stoves went to went to the EPA and said, you know, this is what we want to do and this is how we want to build them. And they said, well, ha- you have to have the carbon emissions at some ridiculously no, low number, you know, right. four parts per million or whatever. Right. And so they engineered, engineered, engineered. They got it. So then the EPA looked and went, huh. Well, that was phase one. Phase two is you have to get it down right. to, uh, so, okay, so they worked, 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 they got it again. And uh, so the EPA went, well, now what? We can't really roll out a phase three, right? right? I guess we'll have to give it to them. So there, it is the only wood-burning stove that is certified by the EPA as as clean. So they've got right. a little sticker that hangs right. onto it. So this company actually went and started doing some research because they were pretty proud of themselves that they had achieved this, which no other company had done. And so they started looking at it. Turns out a tree falling in a forest will put more uh, carbon pollution into the air than their wood stove does. Really? Yeah, if it's just so, rotting. That's right. that's how crazy... So, right. so to your point, which I think is what you're getting to, is that we all emit carbon, right. and human beings put more carbon into the air than right. machines do, and have for millions of years, right. if you buy their well, interpretation of how long the earth is. And even beyond that, like if I, if I have to pay a gas tax on my car that I fill up with gasoline, and mm-hmm. it's 20 cents a gallon or 50 cents a gallon or whatever it is, I can look at that and go, okay, I know that I put in 10 gallons of gas... And at five cents a gallon, that's fifty cents. That's what I have to pay in in taxes. I have no idea how much carbon that I emit. I have no idea how much carbon that my home emits, right. that my kids emit every time we take a shower, whatever. So essentially, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and her cronies in Washington can tax me whatever they want and say, "Well, you've emitted this much carbon." And unless I have the engineering skills to figure that out, to mm-hmm. to measure that, I have no recourse other than to say, "Okay, okay. I'll pay it." Right now, if I if, if I'm paying an income tax, I know exactly how much mm-hmm. income I made and how mm-hmm. much my taxes. If I'm paying property tax, I know which my property is worth and how much property tax there is. Like sales tax, if I buy this mm-hmm. much stuff, I know exactly how much tax there is. The problem with a carbon tax is the average Joe individual cannot in any way, shape, or form quantify the amount of carbon that they should be fairly taxed for. Mm-hmm. And that's intentional. Anything, anybody that thinks that these people have not thought this through is is diluting themselves. They have done this on purpose. They know that carbon is nearly impossible for the regular Joe to measure without complicated equipment, or at least not yet. And mm-hmm. somebody may invent a, you know, a, a... But here's the other problem, right? Is is It's not only how much carbon am I emitting. Mm-hmm. You know, I can put a, a dome over my house and, you know, a big plastic sheet or whatever and emit the and, and measure the carbon that's being emitted out of my home. But now my car, how much does that emit? Mm-hmm. And how much was carbon was emitted when the car was manufactured? Because they're right. talking about all of this stuff, right? They yep. want to tax all of it. So there, there's no way to genuinely quantify what a fair amount of carbon tax per person is. Mm-hmm. They can just say, well, the average person emits this much carbon or their lifestyle emits this much carbon and therefore this is how much it costs right. and whatever right so 
they can essentially tax us whatever we want. So it becomes, again, like I said, no longer about the environment and everything about redistributing the wealth. Mm -hmm. Because they can go to Jeff Bezos and say, well, you're worth $137 billion. Right. Your carbon emissions are a lot because Mm -hmm. you own Amazon, and therefore your carbon emissions are a hundred billion dollars in carbon tax. We're mm-hmm. going to take a hundred billion dollars of your wealth, and and because Billy Bob, who owns nothing and owns no home at all and doesn't own Amazon, his carbon emissions are negative. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give him a hundred thousand dollars of your income of of Jeff Bezos's wealth, and so the, it 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 becomes. In, very obvious if you look at this with even the smallest amount of critical thought that this has nothing to do with the environment and mm-hmm. everything to do with the economy. One of the things, and control, well, and control, right? Well, right, because right. at can, the end yeah. of the day, they they use they use all of the the, the preface of controlling climate and preserving the environment and stuff like that. They use that. As a uh, as a launching ground to exert control over Americans, and if you don't believe that, just look in California, where they now have a requirement for to let the county get into your thermostat. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It has to be all interconnected. And yes. All... So that they can manually right. go and say, "We decide this is what the temperature of the inside of your house has to be," because we, the county, reigns supreme. I right. mean, that's the kind of idiocy. It's local control. That's exactly well. It's, uh, it's local government, so I, you know. But I'm not again. I'm not saying that they're breaching right. the constitution. I'm just saying it's dumb. Right. It's, yeah. It's just <laughs> stupid. So, and here's the other thing. Here's another couple of ways that that you can figure out and realize that this is about economic redistribution and wealth redistribution, and honestly, socialism. Mm-hmm. Like this is so. It says. Um, I don't know what page this is. Um, oh, it might even be right there on the first page. It is. They're going to build on FDR's second Bill of Rights by guaranteeing. And here's some things that 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 um, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to agree to or guarantee. A job with family-sustaining wage, family and medical leave, vacations, and retirement security. Mm-hmm. She's going to guarantee that. So, first of all... How? <laughs> well, how, but why? Why bother? Because... A couple other things they're going to guarantee. The last one they're going to guarantee, economic security for all who are unable mm-hmm. or, quote, unwilling to work. Why do I want a job? If you're going to guarantee me economic security, what do I care about a job for? It's interesting that they would include unwilling, right? Oh, no, it's intentional. Oh, I'm sure it is, right. but I'm saying it's interesting that, that it's no longer hidden socialism, right? Right. Yeah, so uh, why would I want a job with a family-sustaining wage, family and medical leave and all of that, right, if if they're going to guarantee me economic security? I'm unwilling to work, so give me my money. Mm-hmm. Just take it from Jeff Bezos. He's got a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this has absolutely, I, I cannot stress enough that the Green New Deal has nothing to do with green, it's nothing new, and it sure as hell isn't a deal. So everything, everything, everything about this is a lie. Everything about this entire, like from the title on, is a lie. It is. It's. It's based on a lie. There's. It's not about being green. It's nothing new. This is the garbage that 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 
um, Karl Marx and Joseph Stalin and Lenin and all of the other socialists and communists and Chairman Mao and Pol Pot and the all the other Russian communists and like it's the same garbage they've been pushing for a hundred years. It's the same garbage that's cost the do- the the lives of somewhere between two hundred and fifty and two hundred ninety million people over the last a hundred years. There's nothing new about this at all. And like I said, it certainly is not a deal because everybody gets screwed in this because it no longer. So here's the, here's the myth of, of socialism that is so wildly frustrating to me is they talk about economic leveling, right? That sounds fair, right? We're going to do economic leveling because we, you know, it, it, it's so everybody has what they need, right? That's the, that's the myth of socialism from each according to his ability to each according to his needs, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's about making sure that everybody has what they need. Which We're, in a world without human corruption would be a fantastic idea. Right. That's well, and that's always the problem with socialism. It doesn't take into account human nature. Right. That's mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't. Well, and it doesn't take into account what I believe about, about the world and about mm-hmm. God and all that. It doesn't take into account sin nature. Sure. Right, I mean the the humans, human corruptibility. Yeah, humans' mm-hmm. innate nature to to towards sinfulness. Um, so the the idea is it's all about taking care of people's needs, and in the end, what it really ends up doing is not economic leveling; it becomes misery mm-hmm. leveling. Mm-hmm. Everybody is is equally miserable mm-hmm. and and over and over again we've seen this and people use venezuela as an example and it's absolutely a great example to to show how bad socialism is on a on a contemporary viewpoint or from a contemporary viewpoint but russia all of the russian states the soviet states of 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 the the 50s and 60s and 70s cuba all of these these places around the world where socialist dictators, North Korea have China. I mean, it goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. where there's essentially nothing but misery for a vast majority of the population, 80 to 90% of the population. And then there's this 10 to 20% that are the quote unquote elites that because they have somehow found favor with the, with the despotic tyrant that they are taken care of. Right. Mm-hmm. As long as you're as long as you're patting the emperor on the back, you're OK. And as soon as you disagree with the emperor or as soon as the emperor decides that day he's in a bad mood and you end up in a labor camp, then <laughs> now all of a sudden you're not one of the elite anymore. And you're you're sharing equal misery with the rest of the people who are in misery. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem with all this. And it goes on. Like, I mean, I, 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 I go on and on and on. One of the things she says is, how are we going to pay? pay for this um it's i'm gonna see if i can oh you just pay for it well it's even worse than that because um she says um something about um i feel like you're overcomplicating you just pay for it brad that's all you do you just pay for it yeah here's what she she actually answers the question it's there there's apparently like an faq section how will you pay for it the same way we paid for the new deal the 2008 bank bailout, and extended quantitative easing programs. Oh, my tax dollars. Got it. Right. She said the same way we paid for World War II and all of our current wars. The Federal Reserve, now this is where it gets a little bit scary. The Federal Reserve can extend credit to power these projects and investments, and new public banks can be created to extend credit. 
So because we know that private banks know how bad of investment this is, they'll never loan anybody money for this stupid projects. Mm-hmm. So we'll create public banks and loan them taxpayer dollars money, Lovely. which we know they're never going to be able to pay back. So she goes on. There is also a space for the government to take an equity stake in projects to get a return on investment. Mm-hmm. So we know that nobody else is going to be able to pay make these loans because they're bad loans. So we'll just let the government do it. And when we know that they can't take and pay them back, mm-hmm. we'll just take stock in the company. That was a failed business model, which now the government will take over and they'll be able to make money on it and return on investment. She mm-hmm. continues. Her genius continues. At the end of the day, this is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation. So the question isn't how we will pay for it. But what will we do with our new shared prosperity? Yeah, I, that's... It will pay for itself, Noah. Oh, will it? It, 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 you, it? it will pay for itself because we will be so economically prosperous after we've taken everybody's money mm-hmm. and given them bad loans, given companies bad loans with that money, and they haven't been able to pay that money back, so the government took them over, right. and we'll just be rich. Well, all what of can I say? It's worked everywhere else it's been tried, right? So... <laughs> You can't find a single example of any of this stuff. No, ever, anywhere, right? ever in history. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's there's more in this Green New Deal. There's another, I don't know, it's like seven pages long. There's more to it. Um, she says that, here's, let me just read these. Mm-hmm. Because here's, if you don't believe me that this isn't about the environment and it's more about wealth redistribution, here's what she says. Social, this is the last section of the of the, the Green New Deal overview from her website, mm-hmm. which again, as I said, it was so generally and widely laughed at and, and perceived as absurd and a joke mm-hmm. that she took it down. Social and economic justice and security through 15 requirements. What does that have to do with the Green New Deal and the environment? But she says massive federal investment investments and assistance to organizations and businesses participating in the green new deal and ensuring the public gets a return on that investment. Ensure the environmental and social costs of emissions are taken into account. What are the social costs of emissions? I have no idea. All right. Well, I, cause I didn't either. I just <laughs> okay. want to make sure I wasn't missing something. She says, in, um, oh, well, actually, Maybe like farting in a closed room. <laughs> that would only, be a, that would be a social faux pas. Well, that's the only social that's the only social ramification of an emission I can think of. Right. Well, actually, she's going to provide job training and education to all. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to invest in R and D of new clean and renewable energy technologies. Well, that's good, but why is the government doing that? Where in the where in the Constitution does the federal government have a a a R and D department. <laughs> you be careful, right? <laughs> Guarantee a job with family sustaining wages. So, family sustaining wages no longer. And keep that that phrase at the top of your mind because you're going to start hearing a lot more about that. Because for the longest time we heard minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. Minimum wage, minimum wage. Everybody should have a minimum wage. There should be a minimum wage. You know what the minimum wage should be? Zero. Zero. Yeah. None. <laughs> right. There shouldn't be. But. Everybody was, first there was a minimum wage. Now what do we talk about, right? It's not about minimum wage anymore. Minimum living wage. A a living wage, right? So now what they're moving to away from the living wage is a family sustainable wage. Oh, good. Oh, good. Because you don't need a wage just for you, Noah. You need a wage for you and your family. 
Right. And, and, and here's the scary part about that, right? Because you think family, if I, if I said, tell me the members of your family, who would you, who would you list? My wife, my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. But not your mom or your dad. No. Or your sister or <laughs> no. her husband yeah, or is she, I don't know if your sister. She, she, she is, yeah. that, but that's, that's their problem. <laughs> right. But, but, that, <laughs> but that's, but that's what they're, t- the family sustainable wage. Cause if, when your mom decides to retire mm-hmm. and can no longer live on her own, mm-hmm. she's going to come live with you and you're going to need to f- sustain your family. Eh. <laughs> sure about that? <laughs> when your dad can no longer work, he's going to need your, need you to take care of him. So you're going to have to sustain him. I, I don't, I don't disagree I don't entirely disagree that that it is to a certain degree our responsibility to take care of our our family, but that responsibility is delegated. To, I find that responsibility in a biblical sense has nothing to do right. not by the, at the hand of government, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but anyway, the, but in order for you to sustain your family, you're going to have to take that tax money from somebody. So, because you need a family sustainable wage. So instead of just taxing you less, they're going to tax everybody more. Which, anyway, that's a different discussion. Uh, protect the right of all workers to unionize and organize. Socialism at work. Not just socialism in the government, socialism at your job site as well. Um, strengthen and enforce labor, workplace health and safety, anti-discrimination and wage and hour standards. So, I'm all for workplace health and safety. But you know who does work at workplace health and safety the best? Companies that don't want to pay out massive settlements mm-hmm. when their workers get hurt. Well, and that's part of it. I think the other part of it is smaller businesses, right? The smaller the business, the harder it's it's pretty easy when you're sitting in a desk, yep, to t- to to fire people or to, to to make sweeping changes that affect people's lives. Much much harder when you're in my shoes and I got to look that guy in the face and tell him he no longer works here or he's not he's not right. going to be collecting a paycheck at the end of the week. Like that's a much harder conversation right. to have. So the smaller you get those businesses, the more likely they are to to implement some of that stuff, right? right? Like it's 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 and it's interesting how and I used to work for a guy who his his basic philosophy on safety was I'll, as the owner of the business, I'll take whatever risks I want to take. As my employee, you will take none of those risks. Because if right. I get hurt, I get hurt. It's my business. If you get hurt, I get hurt because it's my business, you know, and so and and he took that very seriously. He made absolutely certain every chance he could that we were working safely because if I got hurt, it affected his business and he didn't want to take that chance. So if there was anything that was even remotely a, a risk for health or safety, he would say, let me do that. Like one of the things that I would do is change liquid nitrogen tanks. He didn't like me doing that at first because there's a risk there. Until he felt 100% entirely confident that I could do it safely with the proper safety gear and eyeglasses and, and you know, gloves and all the stuff that you need when you're dealing with, with, um, with liquid nitrogen. So anyway, um, she goes on, provide high quality health care, housing, economic security, and clean air, clean water, healthy food, and nature to all. Now, there's a lot in that last statement. There's other ones here that I left out. But um, th- that... Provide high quality health care. Okay. Right. I mean Canada does it, the whole that mm-hmm. whole argument, right? Whatever. We'll let that one slide. Housing. So 
I live in a 1978 trailer house. As I've mentioned many times before on my terrestrial show, it's not because I can't afford anything else. I don't want to afford anything else. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that I don't have to pay very much for the home that I live in. Mm -hmm. It's very inexpensive, and I don't really care. I'm not a big, you know, I got to live in a mansion kind of guy. Because you know what you got to do with a bigger house? You got to clean it all. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's this thing. (laughs) So, um so housing. So, well, I decided I don't want to live in my house anymore, in my trailer house anymore, because, well, now you're paying for it, Noah, so mm-hmm. you have to provide me a house. Economic security. This goes back to anybody unwilling to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clean air. Okay. I'm all for clean air. I want, you know, I look, I love the fact that, you know, a 1970-whatever Chevy Nova, you know, blew all kinds of nasty emissions into the air and made smog in L.A. and... New York and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I love the fact that our new cars, the emissions and things like that are much I've less. Gotten much better, yeah. I, I, I'm actually very much in favor of that. And and what people used to complain about is oh, all this emission stuff is robbing horsepower. Eh, they got cars that are making 700 horsepower and are you know cleaner than anything that was ever built that was making 300 horsepower 50 years right. ago. So right. I'm all for emissions, keeping the cars clean, right? No problem with that. Clean water. I like drinking clean water. I don't want to drink anybody else's sewage or anything like that. Here's one that's interesting, though. Healthy food. You can't afford groceries? Well, you can afford groceries, but you just decided because you're unwilling to work, you don't want to afford groceries, the government will provide it for you. You know what that mean reminds me of? Bread lines in Russia. And in Venezuela. And Venezuela. Well, that and other places around the world, too. But And then the last one, nature to all. How do you provide nature to all? What if I don't want to go outside? <laughs> you know? This mm-hmm. is, do, you ever see that movie? What was the movie? Uh, Madagascar? Yeah, absolutely. Where David Schwimmer played the, yes. the giraffe? Yeah. Ah, nature, get it off of me, right? <laughs> what if you're that guy? Yeah. What if you don't want nature? And those people exist. You, <laughs> We will provide nature to you whether you want it or not. <laughs> uh, so anyway, 701... No, that's what am I doing? I was going to give you the phone number for that's my fine. radio 855 show. That's right, 855 or 866-766-1776. If you ever want to call the show, you can do that. If you want to call the show live, uh, while we're doing it on Facebook Live, or um, if you're listening on our website, which is Brad Sh- or uh, theschmidtshow.com, watching the stream there, however you're you're consuming the Schmidt Show, if you're consuming it while we're recording it live, you can call in and be a part of the show through that phone number. So, um all of that, I think that pretty well sums up what I wanted to get to today um, as far as the the discussion of the Green New Deal. It's it's not new. It's not green. And like I said, it sure as heck is not a deal. <laughs> it just isn't. So I do want to ask one question, though, of the HIG, because okay. the HIG is our resident tech expert, and he makes all of this tech stuff happen. If mm-hmm. it weren't for this guy over here, over there, how do you do that? I can't. <laughs> that guy there. If it's, if it's not for him, none of this happens as far as the tech side goes. Um, I could probably do it now, um, but I would have never been able to get it set up as slickly as it is now without him. So I saw an article this morning, and I didn't have time to really read it. I did link it in the show notes, um, I think. Yeah. It says, the internet divided between U.S. and China has become... Ah, come on. Open up has become a battleground. It says the global internet is splitting in two. One side, championed in China, is a digital landscape where everything seems to work wonderfully and awesome and all of that kind of thing. Um, 
but then the other side is America where I have to switch between 10 different apps to order, order to do all the things. And mm-hmm. Have you seen this article? I have. I've not dug into it very deeply, but yeah, I've, I've, come, are, I've come across it. What's your general thoughts? And this isn't really related to anything we were talking about today, but what's your general thoughts on this? Like, I, I, I like the idea of of interconnectivity. You know, I lo- that's one of the things that I loved about my Apple iPhone, right? I could plug my, I could uh, log into my iPhone and see all of my information on my Mac and my iMac and my MacBook and blah, 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 and all these things. And it just all kind of worked together. Mm-hmm. Um, I love like Telegram, right? Like I can do text messaging and phone calling and all of those sorts of things through Telegram. I think that's an awesome app. And, and my son has gotten to where he doesn't even hardly use his phone anymore. When he calls me, he calls me through Telegram instead of actually calling me on the phone. Oh, sure. Yeah, because um, he goes over IP. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, and it's better quality, audio quality and all of that, right? Sure. So I love all the idea of interconnectivity. And and that's one of the things that this article references. It references the the um, the the ability to shop and chat and all of these things and social media and everything all in kind of one app, right? You mm-hmm. download you know, the, the China app and you, or, you know, the whatever, it is, app, whatever yeah. it is, right. Yep. You know, and, and you can do everything you need to do in China. But in America, I've got Amazon for my shopping. I've got eBay for some other shopping. I've got wish for some other shopping. I've got my target app and my Kmart app and my Walmart app and the whatever and my Lowe's home improvement and my home Depot and all these different apps that I got to switch in between to do my shopping. I've got telegram and I've got SMS and I've got, Facebook messaging and I've got Snapchat and I've got Twitter and I've got blah, 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 what all these other apps to do my chatting. And then, you know, there's apps to play games and then there's different apps to do connect with my neighbors mm-hmm. for my neighborhood watch group and like all of these different things. And I got to keep switching back and forth. So, but at the same time, I like all of that too. Like I love the variety of it, right? My mm-hmm. only option to shop is, you know, if my only option to shop is China's on dot com mm-hmm. or my only option to chat is chinachat.com you know those things i don't like so what are your kind of basic thoughts on how all this stuff is going to play out do you I, think it's- I, I think that you're i think that regulating the internet or trying to regulate or limit the internet is never going to work long term mm. right and i don't and, and china has tried and they failed okay. people talk about you know how how filtered the internet is in china close down is- and whatnot Truth is, all those people that want to get to somewhere else are just using VPNs, right. and they're exiting their traffic somewhere else in the world. The internet is the last free place on Earth, and I would like to see it stay that way. Yeah. Which is why, and this is a topic for a, a, a different show, but which is why I'm so heavily divided on net neutrality. Mm. Uh, I, on, on one hand, I don't like the idea of socialism for the internet. On the other hand, I don't like the idea of big corporations deciding... Uh, picking the winners and losers of the internet based on their corporate interests. And so I'm just left in the middle with my hands up going, what are we to do? Right. Okay. All right. I was just curious about that because it seems to me, um, my thoughts as far as China goes, people are going to, like you said, people are going to find what they want to find. Right. And, and, And so... I just don't. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see people using Tor browser and and some of this other stuff on the the quote unquote dark web, which I've I downloaded Tor browser once because mm-hmm. I was talking about this on my show and I didn't know anything about Tor browser or the dark web. Everybody should have Tor browser. Well, but honestly, if you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's hard to find anything. 
Like, not really. I mean, well, I, I guess if you don't, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Though, I mean, that's anything the we, on the because you can go to regular websites, like you can go to Facebook.com right. through Tor browser, right? But there's other stuff that you can do, and yeah, unless you kind of know what dot you're onion sites, yeah, you're, unless yeah. you kind of know what you're doing, you're not going to find it. I suppose uh, they're a place. We'll have to talk. My that, that, well, that should, like that say, be my wife episode. would never be able to figure out anything with like. Yeah, she would log on to Tor browser and just go. Awesome. Now what? Yeah. Like, well, you know, she just that she's not a techie person. I, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift, but essentially the way that Tor is designed to work is when you come across a site that you don't want anybody to know that you're visiting, then you use Tor. It's not really you log on to Tor and then go find the sites that you don't want anybody. You know what I mean? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So yeah. like, so for example, um, you know, like the Silk Road, I don't know if you've ever been there, played I've, with it. I've heard of it. I, I've never. So the Silk Road is just one example. That's of right. where a, you can, that's where you can buy drugs and stuff online. Well, you can buy anything. It's just a marketplace with no restrictions. Okay. So the, uh, so the Silk Road, the idea is it's a site that maybe nobody wants you to, you don't want to know that anybody's, you know. So right. that that would be a site that you'd right. go visit through tour. I see. So, one last question here, mm-hmm. um, text me, or uh, on the uh, on the the uh, chat. free note chat room. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, "So now that the Hig is curling, shall we refer to him as the Hick also, the, <laughs> the half Indian, the half Indian the, curler?" Well, you could you could it could be the Hick Hig, the the, hig? Ha, the ha, half, well the the half Indian well half Indian guru curler. So Hick. Hick G? Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> we'll figure that out before next episode. Yeah. So anyway, before we let you go, I do want to just mention that real quick. We did have a great time on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Noah, that was fun. Noah and I and my buddy Dean and my my uh, my um, he is my program director at the radio mm-hmm. station that I'm part of, Ryan Cunningham. We did go curling. We were invited to. Um, participated essentially in an exhibition match at a curling tournament mm-hmm. um, and had a wonderful time, met some really, really cool people, um, Brian and Barb and other, I can't even remember all their names, and, and John and there's a couple other guys there. Mark Pryor was on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the UND, University of North Dakota girls volleyball coach. and So we did have a really great time, and that was what we referenced at the beginning of the show. Um, if anybody does curling... Um, I want to, I want to, um, how do we, like, what do we need to know about curling? Send us an email on the website or, or whatever, you know, hit us up in the chat room or whatever and and let us know what we need to know about curling. To be better curlers. To be better curlers. Cause we're going to do this some more. Like we have decided that, um, the 2022 winter Olympics, is probably our next stop as it relates to curling. So, I mean, we are undefeated. We are the undefeated we beat champions. beat a world other, champion. Exactly. We beat a world champion, and we had no experience. None. So we clearly like I didn't have even natural... do the Like you do the whole sliding thing on your foot. Right. None of us even did that. We just, just kind of all landed up on our stomachs. Yeah, and right. Just oh, Ryan the... did. Ryan really got into the did whole try... one knee thing. Did yeah. he? Oh, yeah, I, he was, he, I couldn't. He, Let's go. Well, it was outside, so the, the, the ice was all rough and didn't work good as well. But, yeah. So, anyway. With that, I think uh, it is time to call the Schmidt Show, call it a day for um, for this week, and we will see you again next week. As I said before, um, if you want to join us, if you want to be a part of everything that we're doing, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, all that. Also, please support us on Patreon if you want to see more of what we do. See you next week.